Hi, um, I'm Sarah, and today I'll be reading Dream Song 29 by John Berryman. There sat down, once, a thing on Henry's heart, so heavy, if he had a hundred years, and more, and weeping, sleepless, in all them time, Henry could not make good. Starts again, always, in Henry's ears, the little cough somewhere, an odour, a chime. And there is another thing he has in mind, like a grave Siamese face a thousand years, would fail to blur the still-profiled reproach of. Ghastly, with open eyes, he attends, blind. All the bells say, too late, this is not for tears, thinking. But never did Henry, as he thought he did, end anyone and hex her body up and hide the pieces where they may be found. He knows, he went over everyone, and nobody's missing. Often, he reckons, in the dawn, them up. Nobody is ever missing. Okay, so, um... Well, the theme of this you know, episode was was our favorite poem. So I just picked this poem that um, you know my friend sent to me a while ago that really resonated with me. So the deal with this is it's called uh, Dream Song 29, and uh, it's part of a collection by this guy, John Berryman, and I think there's about uh, 70 or 80 poems in total, and they all sort of loosely follow this man called Henry. It's semi-autobiographical. And, uh, you know, it's about this very disaffected and like, lonely and morose character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so I read a couple of the other ones, but I think this is one of the most popular ones, actually. And I think the reason why my friend saw it also is because um, some phrases from this poem have been used as <laughs> the season finales of uh, this TV show called Succession. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's a sitcom, is it? Uh, I'm not really sure. I think it's like a, I think it's a sort of like a drama about the one percent. Yeah, I've seen it on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, corporate. I'm not really sure. Um, So Mm. I think they they took all the series finales. I think there are three or four seasons. They took all the titles from uh, this poem. So one of them is called "All of the Bells Say." One of them is called "This Is Not for Tears," and. I think the reason this poem is so interesting to me really is because it very much feels like a dream. You know, the this well, you know, I, I, I don't know what the specific linguistic terms for them are, but the you know, the syntax and the grammar isn't quite there. It's a bit all over the place. It takes a while to sort of um, understand exactly what you're reading, you know. Yeah, you, that was you the first thing that stood out to me. Like the yeah. syntax yeah. is so broken up, so hard to understand. It's, yeah, so you sort of feel like you're muddling through a dream that you really half remember, um, and you sort of have to think about it again, or you have to reread the sentences after you've read to the end to to figure out, you know, uh, what the whole thing is trying to say. You know, I I, I think they end with like prepositions and um, the clauses are all mixed up. Mm. Uh, so so it really does feel like a, a sort of a very cryptic and unsettling nightmare that you're in. Even the, you know, the sort of the, the, the rhyme scheme of the poem isn't quite consistent. You know, it's, um, there's, some of it rhymes, but it's not entirely consistent. There's all them time, a little pop, a chime, or mm. there's another thing he has in mind, a thousand years, 
with open eyes, he attends blind, all the bells say, this is not for tears. But then, you know, the the meter of the poem isn't exactly regular, and it's, mm-hmm. you can sort of see that there's a, there's a more, um, I guess you would say, a poem written in a more standard verse, like somewhere underneath the surface there. Mm. But again, you know, it's... Um, it's fragmented, right? Yeah, it's fragmented. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's very much like a... The, the, the fragments of a dream that you mm-hmm. know are completely in way. Yeah. See, that reminds me a lot of T.S. Eliot, man. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, in The Wasteland also, there's like, huh. um, it opens like what? April is the cruelest one, breathing. Like, it's almost iambic pentameter, it's almost ten syllables, but it's actually just nine. Like, it's almost standard verse, but it's incomplete. And also, I guess, the fragmentation is all something that's present in The Wasteland. And also, you know, it's uh, this uh, dream song is part of a collection with like Henry as this character, right? And yes, yeah. it also has this character called Sweeney. And so, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just obsessed with T.S. Eliot. So, <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's yeah, it's a very modern poem. I guess it deals, I feel it deals quite a lot of ennui. You know, like the modern state of ennui. Yeah. yeah. Sort of, um, very much. You know him. Uh, you know, like reflecting on his dissatisfaction and dealing with, you know, guilt and grief. And I think mm. especially in the, in the, in the third poem, I think the sort of, uh, sorry, not the third poem, the third stanza, the final stanza, um, you know, the idea of, of guilt really comes up. So, yeah. so basically, you know, Henry is thinking, and there's this really sort of like gruesome imagery where he's, you know, hacked this person's body up and hidden the pieces. It's almost like a, like a bad dream, you know, that's that's sort of overwhelming him. He thinks, oh my gosh, you know, I've I've ended someone, I've killed someone, I've hacked her body up and hidden the pieces somewhere. And so in the morning, you know, he has to go and count everybody around him and think, okay, you know, X is here, mm. Y is here, Z is here, and uh, nobody is ever missing. Mm. And I think, yeah. you know, especially this last line, nobody is ever missing, is something that, that really resonated with me because I think this is a feeling I have as well mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I've got this overwhelming sense that I've done something terribly wrong mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I have no idea what it is, but it's, and so you, know, you need to sort of go and go back and... It's a comforting thought, I guess. Yeah, so it's a sort of, like a, like a very grim solace almost, you know. Mm. It's, not, it's not a happy poem, it's not an optimistic poem, you know, I think um, Henry's quite obviously living quite a wretched life. Not just in this poem, but in the rest as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, but it's been like something. I mean, something I noticed like when you read the poem is like the perspective of this poem is like it seems very resigned, almost because like you know there's this this sort of like narrator to the poem, so it's almost like reviewing his life like from an an external perspective. So like it just adds to that feeling of uncanniness or like yeah. something wrong. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I also really like the alliteration in the first two lines. What's it called, uh, if you repeat a lot of H's? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, like all the H's. Uh, it feels like yeah, a sign, right? Yeah, but it sort of right? adds to the weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah Henry's heart too, like that. Yeah, definitely adds to like this, this really it, like dreary feeling when yeah. the moment like, the bomb starts. Yeah. yeah, it's almost this sort of, you know, like overwhelming hallucination or fantasy that he's trying to escape out of so there's you know something underneath the surface mm. but it's mm. but it's not quite there how did you interpret the last yeah. line of the second stanza 
Ah, uh, yeah. So you know this this um the second stanza. I think it's got this very sort of um how do I put it? Like almost uh like a religious sense to it. Mm-hmm. Like a religious feeling. You know, there's like these these tiny spaces, which I'm not wrong at the sort of uh Renaissance yeah artworks, right? Yeah. And uh you know there are there are bells saying um you know like church bells ringing mm. and saying chiming and ringing and saying this is not for tears. And then and, it ends very cryptically on a thinking. Yeah, and um I think so again, you know there's this sort of idea of uh guilt that mm-hmm. you know Henry is feeling. He's and because of this you know, maybe in this poem and, and also in the rest, he's sort of feeling very alienated and isolated from the rest of the people, the rest mm. of the people around him, right? Yeah. Um, and so this sort of, like, religious imagery of these ideas that are coming through are almost off-putting to him, perhaps, mm. you know, because it's, it's, um, it's not something he can fully be a part of. You know, he's seeking to absolve himself in some way, and he does mm-hmm. do that. By, by counting all the people around him and reassuring himself. Mm. And, you know, so, so there's also this sort of reassurance coming from the church bells saying, you know, it's, it's all right. This is, this is not the tears. Mm. Well, it's a really intriguing poem. I'm really <laughs> excited to read the other dream songs now. I've actually never read Berryman. Have you read other Berrymans? Uh, I mean, is it I just read... the other dream songs? Yeah, I read a couple of the other dream songs, but not anything else. I think he's got got other work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I sort of say that like, um, like the fact that this poem is like contained within like a series of poems, but like it in itself is such a compact and like, intriguing narrative in and mm. of itself. Like you know, you see like this man who's like um, full of regret and you know, struck with like um, guilt. You know, it's like it's a very intriguing poem in and of itself, but even outside of like the other dream songs, yeah, it's definitely something that invites you to to look deeper into the other poems in the collection. Yeah. Mm, yeah.